When you have survived prohibition, how do you stay relevant in the world of anything goes? We speak with Shelley Wagaspak from the New Orleans bar, Pat O'Brien's, celebrating 90 years. It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Shelley Wagaspat, president of the famous New Orleans watering hole on Bourbon Street, Pat O'Brien's. It's celebrating its 90th anniversary. Welcome, Shelley. Thank you. Thank you very much, Liz. So, all right. I really want to know how 90 years went by and nobody knows it. I, I kind of think it's partially because it feels like such an alive and vibrant pra- place. It doesn't have this feeling of this old place that's been around forever. So how did you make that happen? Well, that's a that's a really good observation. The people that have been the generational groups that have been coming here for so long absolutely are aware that we've been around 90 years. The and it's a funny transition because those people come in and they they they're so excited that we haven't changed much, at least from what they see. And and it's it's also interesting when new people, younger people come in and they think, wow, this is incredible. It's a big space, it's beautiful. Where has this been? And then, you know, later on down the line, they realize, oh, it's it's a really old place. So it's kind of like a, a mixed bag. You have those that are fully aware that we've been around and appreciate our longevity. And you have the newcomers that kind of pop up and say, wow, I, 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 I discovered this place. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they even invented it. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's all good. It's great. Well, you know, when I do tours at the museum, one of the things that we talk about is, you know, the the vibrant drinking culture of the city, which is really, really old. It started from the very beginning of the city. And when I talk about Pat O'Brien's, because there's no way you can have this talk without talking about Pat O'Brien's, one of the things that we talk about is that it is, and the hurricane is, kind of the gateway drinking drink for for people who are from New Orleans. And I certainly remember my first hurricane. And I think everybody remembers their first hurricane because it was something that, you know, I'm drinking now. And that was a a big deal. It was. And, you know, it was really cool is that usually that first hurricane was a result of your parents bringing you to Pat O'Brien's mm-hmm. where you're coming for a special occasion back then it might've been, you know, your high school prom or whatever, but it was usually a special occasion that brought you to try the hurricane, which, you know, I think is hand in hand with why Pat O'Brien's and the hurricane kind of conjures up, conjures up great memories because it was the beginning of that special occasion, whatever the occasion may be. So they come back and relive that, the good time and the the happy experience that they initially had. And, you know, I also think that, of course, 
at that in those days, the drinking age in New Orleans was 18, not 21 the way it is now. But the idea that your parents take you and, uh, you know, are celebrating that you're 18 years old and that you can Mm -hmm. drink now or whatever really says something about the city. Because, you know, I think that we have so many worries about drinking and what that's going to mean and alcohol and, and fear of alcohol and that sort of thing that it's kind of pervasive now. And it was kind of nice because you didn't have that feeling that I have to go out and sneak around. I can be, I can be reasonable in the way I drink because I'm allowed to drink openly. And your parents kind of make that possible by taking you someplace like Pat O'Brien's to drink. Absolutely. It's, it's a much more normal course of enjoying drinking as opposed to being thrown into an environment that I would imagine a lot of young people around the country that don't have. Thought process about drinking where, you know, other, other parents are much, they have, I think they have a different mindset than we do here in New Orleans. We grew up going to crawfish boils, having a beer here, having a beer there, whatever. And Pat O'Brien's hurricane was just the indoctrination of, okay, now you're, you can have alcohol now. Right, right. No, or no. At least legally. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I can remember, though, if I asked my parents, like, if if I was 10 or whatever, and, and my father was drinking a beer, I asked him if I could taste it. He would let me taste it. Of course, I sure. hated it. I thought it was horrible. But And he knew that. And so instead of making a big deal out of it, he let me taste it and go, ooh, I don't want to drink that. And so, you know, your palate matures and you have different attitudes as you get older, but it also wasn't some kind of horrible, like, oh, you can't have that. You're much too young. It was just like, take a swallow and see what happens. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And with your, with your Italian heritage, I'm sure you had a very relaxed household where, you know, you had table wine right. and it was just kind of like a, a normal kind of thing. No, that's absolutely true. And and wine, of course, wasn't even considered alcohol by anybody in my family. It was mm-hmm. food. And so you you didn't drink it like the way people drink wine now, almost like they would a mixed drink. They just you just drank it when you were eating. And and so when you were little, maybe as, as young as maybe seven or something, you would get a, a a tablespoon or so of wine in water so that you got used to the flavor because it was thought to have vitamins and enrich your blood and do all kinds of things, which might even be true. But it was something that they knew that you had to be introduced to it because even if all of those things weren't true, it was definitely something that was a social thing that you be able to drink wine at your meal. Absolutely. And that's generational. That goes back for centuries and with yes. that kind of mindset yes. absolutely and i think we kind of had the same kind of mindset here in new orleans mm-hmm. where it's it's not taboo it's not bad i mean we all know that there are many more challenging things that our young people are facing other than having a drink no, <laughs> having some alcohol I, I think that's true do you think of course now here we're not talking about pat o'brien's and i do want to come back to talk about that right but i do want to ask you one more question because I think you're in such a a great position to to answer it. Do you think that 
if people learn to drink responsibly, which I mean, I certainly had didn't have drunk people as models at my house, at my home or in my family, even the extended family. And so it never occurred to me that you wanted to drink to get drunk. It was always you drank because it was it was uh, a pleasant social lubricant. You had you enjoyed the flavor. There were all kinds of reasons why you might drink something. Mm-hmm. But it was I also observed that my my family was very prudent in the way they drank so that they might have a glass of water in between a drink and, you know, a drink they were sipping. They weren't drinking it down. Um, And and so they were drinking really not to be drunk. That was like, they weren't trying to do that. And I I wonder, and I, I think it's partly a New Orleans thing because I do believe that people think that it's, kind of rude to get drunk at your house or out and about in a social situation. But I don't think that's true everywhere. I think there are a lot of people who just drink to be drunk. No, absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. And that's and people aren't any different from here around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have different reasons for drinking, whether it's to loosen up or because they like the taste of it. They want to have a little sip of wine. Or for heart reasons, red wine is supposed to be good for your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a bunch of different reasons why. I think for us at Pat O'Brien's, the reason, and people don't always come here and drink. We uh-huh. totally welcome um, anybody that wants a bottle of water. They just want to sit and watch the, the folks go by. We have non-alcoholic drinks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here, it's a it's a total social thing. People come here. If you have a hurricane, that's one thing. It might be a glass of wine or one of our specialty drinks. Mm-hmm. But most for the most part, people aren't coming here on a, a regular basis to get drunk or to mm-hmm. to get to have too much to drink. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are certain holidays, Mardi Gras, with the exception, sure. St. Patrick's right. Day, they're going to be the high drinking times. But but on a daily basis, we just have people that want to come in and relax, enjoy the piano lounge, get into the the excitement and the entertainment of what Paderborn's is and what New Orleans is mm-hmm. in the French Quarter, mm-hmm. and. And it, it's, it's, it's really wonderful. This, this is a, this is a great business for just enjoying people and mm-hmm. enjoying people having fun. And that of course is our, our motto, have fun. Our staff does their best to have fun with every single minute they're here. And that, that kind of comes off to the customer that this, that our staff, the people that work here enjoy being here because it's a great environment. Yeah. So just tell us, for those people who don't know the history of Pat O'Brien's, give us the, a little version of the history so people will know what we're talking about. What we're all about? Mm-hmm. Okay, so in 1933, Pat O'Brien opened his bar down the street after it was a, an illegal speakeasy. So um, on December 3rd, right before Prohibition officially ended, he, he officially opened his Pat O'Brien's bar down the street in the 600 block. In 1933, in 41, Pat O'Brien brought in a partner, Charlie Cantrell, and they bought the building that we're in right now at 718 St. Peter. So it's a it's a very large building for those that don't know the patios, courtyards, indoor bars and things like that. So they came in apart as partners. They hired my grandfather as general manager. There was music at the at the small bar that they were outgrowing. So when they moved here. Of course, entertainment was absolutely a must Mm -hmm. uh, in the piano lounge. 
And the the idea for the entertainment was that we'd have two entertainers that kind of play off of each other. And they play off of each other, not against each other, which is contrary to how they were performing in the streets. The people working in the streets, they were they would try to fight for tips. Sure. So similar concept, but they're working with each other, not against each other. And it just created a, a wonderful atmosphere. And you know, it was kind of like a work in progress. And, and this entertainer would have that, you know, would be special in this area. And they just the entertainers just became so popular around the country that there were newspaper writers writing about them in New York and California. They they were really nationwide. They were known nationwide. And again, you've looked through my scrapbook. You've seen all the articles. Uh-huh. It's just it's just amazing. So, so my grandfather was the manager. And then, you know, just briefly about the rum. We had a lot of rum coming in from the, the Caribbean. The war was going on. Distillers were being used for other things. So they had a stockpile of rum. Well, the guys here started testing with the customers and came up with the recipe for the hurricane. Mm-hmm. And it's a hurricane passion fruit flavor. And I paired it with the hurricane glass. It just kind of all happened at the same time. The hurricane shaped, hurricane lamp shaped glass. And it was just kind of a natural. And um, it's been very popular ever since. And we sell a lot of them to a lot of happy people. (laughs) Did that kind of set the tone for having all the other sort of storm-based cocktails? Oh, absolutely. We ha- and we ha- we have a lot of storm based cocktails and some were some were from the 1950s maybe the the 60s we have something called the purple people eater which obviously is from the 60s um, we have the sky lab from the 70s mm-hmm. and uh, and we've added some things along the way but you know you can't have too many specialty drinks because then you just dilute your specialty drinks sure sure and you just kind of like start compounding similar items and similar cocktails and similar flavors so we're we're we have about 12 specialty drinks. One of my favorite is the mint julep. It's just a classic mint julep with simple syrup, bourbon, and mint and muddled. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's good. But yeah, it's funny that we're that we're we're stormed themed cocktails. Yes, yes. The yes. hurricane as the king. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and and so if you want to come in because you you just have to have a Sazerac. You can still get a Sazerac. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. So course. it's 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 not a place where you can only get the the themed cocktails or anything like that. Oh, correct. And we encourage people to try different things that they haven't tried before, whether it's a new bourbon or a local beer that they they want to try. We want them to just come in and try something new or have something old and enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. So what are you what are you planning for your all of the celebration because you're going to be 90 years old for the full year. We are. We actually celebrated with a band on the patio and a big party on December 3rd of this year. We're going to, we have our 90, 90th signs up. That's really cool that my guys made. So we'll keep those up as long as we can. And we're not really doing anything specific as, as though as in a promotion throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Every, every five years we have a celebration of our, our milestones and we don't kind of, make it a year long deal. We just kind of have the one celebration and, and just kind of go on with our, with our, with our year until, you know, the next five years. And then we'll have another big bang. Well, I keep thinking you're so close to a hundred. How can you not be thinking about that? You must. Oh, be I am. About that. <laughs> <laughs> what I would really like is 
for uh, we have a lot of memorabilia memorabilia that that you know we've saved here but also what's really cool is that people will send us things like old hurricane glasses or menus that they found in their grandmother's attic mm-hmm. or copies of pictures so and this this is nationwide people uh-huh. have an accumulation of pat o'brien's things so what i really like to do is when we get to that point of course, we have the old the historic collection here, the New Orleans historic collection, mm-hmm. and I would really, really like to talk with them about having a, an exhibit to celebrate our hundredth because it is truly a milestone. It's it's amazing, and and it's in walking distance from you. It so is. That makes and I think we can build a museum up with a lot of things. Uh huh. Yeah, that's really <laughs> great. When we we were working with Antoine's when they had their hundredth anniversary. Oh, no, it was 175, I think, or whatever they were. I mean, it was really old. And we we helped them with a, an, a, a, what do you call it? When you, I don't know, I can't think of the word. When you're an amnesty program, there we go. So they were celebrating an amnesty program where if you had stolen a spoon or you had stolen a creamer or something like that from Antoine's because everything was marked Antoine's in those. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that you could get amnesty by returning it, and instead of donating it to Antoine's, who still have you know tons of all of that, but they would donate it to us. Oh, and, that's awesome! So we 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 ran the amnesty program <laughs> so that they could celebrate one of their great anniversaries. It was it was a lot of fun. You should think about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. And in fact, we, like I said, we have people that send us things, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm always, I'm always tickled when somebody sends something into us and they'll send like a $5 bill or oh, they'll send wow. a $10 bill that I have something in my box right now. Somebody sent a $10 bill because they stole our powder bronze ashtray, like, you know, 40 years ago. And we have a lot, and I save all those, <laughs> save those notes because I think it's so special that people take the time yes. to send us this. So we've had a kind of our amnesty thing going on for a oh, long time. Yeah, but I love that idea. That is fantastic. We should talk about that. Oh yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, that's that could be a lot of fun, and you know, you can take people out of jail and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's really, <laughs> it really is fun. <laughs> the Pat O'Brien's jail. That's hysterical. yes, exactly. Yes. So anyway, all right. So let's talk about what you see for the future of Pat O'Brien's because uh, obviously you're not going away. And so you've got to also be thinking about the future. It's wonderful to celebrate the past and you have a very storied history, a lot of characters to, mm-hmm. you know, to celebrate and all of that. So I, I think that part of it is wonderful, but you still need to think about the future and not just look backwards. Oh, absolutely. You can't move forward if you can't, if you can't have some kind of vision of what you want to be four years from now or five years from now, or even next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're always trying to trying to stay on the curve with not only technology, but stay on the curve of what's happening in New Orleans and around the country. We of course have a couple of franchises and that that's, that's very fun, but for, for now our, you know, our team's always thinking about how we can, improve not not only our the aesthetics but the way we operate and with that you you always have to think about back a house you have to think about operations and prepare for that because in an old building like this there are always 
there are always things that come up that need to be addressed. And some are an emergency situation, some are, well, let's think about that. Like for instance, right now we're thinking ice machines <laughs> because <laughs> that's a huge part of our business. Sure. And so continuously working on ice machines, but also, okay, what happens? What is the next ice machine that we're going to have to buy? Let's prepare for what we're going to buy, what we're going to need to install when we need to install that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and how, and how we can improve our bottling plant and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our greatest asset is our, are, are the people that make this thing happen and the people that come and visit and watch it happen. Right. And it's, you know, you've got to kind of think about that person as well and what they want to see in the next five years when they come visit again. Mm-hmm. We want it to be traditional, but we also have to kind of move along. And the state of New Orleans has a lot to do with it and how, how we plan for the future. Of course, mm-hmm. it's been a little challenging the past few years of how to plan for the future, but I think we're getting a little bit more of a, a window of how we're going to how we're going to move along mm-hmm. and with a little bit more confidence of how New Orleans is moving along. Right, right. So are you, I mean, I'm sure you have to follow all that alcohol trends and all of that sort of thing. So do you have a a large, I I know you talked about having non-alcoholic beverages, but you know, now there are actually alcoholic beverages that are reverse engineered to take the alcohol out of them. So Mm -hmm. you can get bourbon or rye or whatever without alcohol in it or very, very low alcohol content. Have you developed recipes on cocktails using those, those alcohols you know liz you're 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 giving me something to learn about i didn't know that there was such a thing that you could have a bourbon drink without the alcohol so imagine that okay well that is a whole nother level of future thinking that we're gonna start doing that's awesome yeah and i mean it's actually distilled in the traditional way and then there's a another process that actually removes the alcohol but leaves the liquid and the flavor so that I know I have to tell you, it's not exact because the, the alcohol feel of is gone, but the flavor is really there. And I've had Sazerac's made with rye that has had no alcohol in it and old fashions and all kinds of traditional drinks with this non-alcoholic alcohol and there are multiple brands, so you get to taste different kinds. And it's definitely it's definitely a trend. There are actually some places that have bars that only have that kind of alcohol, and they don't sell anything that's alcoholic. That's great. Yeah, that is so interesting. That I, I you know, the, I get so many industry magazines, and I'm, I know you do too. And there, only there's only so much you can read. Exactly. And, I try to stay up to date on everything, but I, but I I haven't heard of that. So that's great. I'm definitely going to look into that. Yeah, I I think I think it's it's different from the mocktail where you kind of almost are labeling somebody as not drinking um, mm-hmm. an alcoholic beverage, but this thing looks and you know kind of has a lot of the mouth feel of a drink. And, and so nobody's even knows you're drinking it. And so there's not some kind of labeling or judging or anything. You're just sitting there 
able to enjoy being in a bar, which is a special kind of feeling. It's not like drinking in your home or anything. It's its own feeling. And every bar, of course, has its own, its own feel. So you can be in your favorite bar. And let's say you're taking some kind of medicine that won't let you drink or something. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, you can still be drinking your drink without alcohol in it. And and just be there with everybody else. That's awesome. I, I I mean, I personally don't think that there's a stigma associated with with a mocktail or if you choose not to have anything with alcohol. I I don't think if there is a stigma, I'm a, I'm not aware of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could to me, it's your personal choice. Sure, but there are some people who feel that they have to explain why they aren't drinking. And oh this, my gosh. Uh, this allows you to just not even have that happen. So that's crazy that people are reading into that. I know. Much. I know. People, <laughs> people, people, yeah, people can be, uh, be very self judgmental. Yes. Yeah. Judgmental. judgmental. And, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, we're not judgmental in, on, for anybody here, but you can, you can have a drink, an alcohol drink, no, no drink. You can have water, no judgment, as long as you have a good time. Right. Right. And I, I think that's, that's really what we all want anyway. So tell us a little bit about what kind of future entertainment are you, do you have any trouble getting people who, let's say, um, piano players who play together or can support each other? Yes. Strangely enough, mm-hmm. uh, it used to not be a problem at all because we had entertainers that were really just dying to come play at Pat O'Brien's and be in New Orleans. The challenge with entertainment now is, is trying to get entertainers to move to New Orleans. Uh-huh. That's an issue. Once they're, once they're here and they're playing in the piano lounge, they love it. It's just, you know, New Orleans is having some, some, some issues right now. And the entertainers that are, that, that are, good for us and to our standards have a little bit of an issue with moving to New Orleans. With that said, we actually just hired a new entertainer that's going to start right after the first of the year. So now we're up to seven entertainers. Uh-huh. Before COVID, we had about 14. Hmm. We're still closed on Monday and Tuesday, but we're going to start doing our daytime shows on the weekend now that we have another entertainer. Oh, that's wonderful. We're making it work. And for the uh-huh. time being, we're, we're letting entertainers work part-time if that's what they choose uh-huh. and we'd rather than work full-time of course but the, we're we're kind of bending along with it for the moment mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of make make it work for us and the piano lounge was closed for so long during covid right. people literally were crying at the door asking when we were going to open and it was breaking our heart it was breaking the entertainer's heart and the customer's heart Right. So when we finally opened, it was like, it was a happy day that uh-huh. we're, we're almost back to normal. So are, do you think that you're going to stay closed or on those days that you're closed or is your goal to be open seven days a week? Well, of course, the goal is to open seven days a week. Uh-huh. It'd be great if we could do that now because we're you know getting into our busy season. But uh-huh. we, 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 like everybody else, we have issues with staffing. And mm-hmm. we would need another manager or two if we opened another day. Uh-huh. Right now it's working for us for the staff levels that we have. Yeah. But the goal is definitely to open the Monday and Tuesday because, uh, you know, we feel like it's, 
it's our our duty to be open to the public when they want to come here. Mm-hmm. We have out of town tours. This is where people bring their their guests, and mm-hmm. it's really disappointing when when people walk up to the door and we're closed, and the look on their face is just. I mean, my grandfather would be turning over right now, knowing that we're closed <laughs> on Monday and Tuesday because his philosophy was to be open every single day, 365. Right, right. But we can't. We just physically, physically well, can't. Yeah, and you have so, to be what's real, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. And most people now understand when we were, at, you know, during COVID, they got a little upset. But most people now understand that, you know, staffing is difficult and you know you really have to call a place before you go because you never know if Google's going to be correct or yeah. if they're going to have the staff. Yeah. So before I go anywhere, I call that restaurant or that place just to make sure that they they are in fact open. Right. Some of the smaller places just close at the drop of a hat. We try to be a little bit more organized and and upfront of when we're we are open and closed. Right. And I always tell people, don't depend on what Google says or one of the the rating services. Actually look at the website of the place. Right, um, right. Instead of just looking at Google, because you can't expect Google to be that up, up to date all the time. You know? It's not. <laughs> it's, yeah, not. it's not. People call us and, they're, and they'll say, well, Google's saying this. Well, Google's not right. As much as we try to go in and make it right, it, right. Just, it just gets changed. Right. Just, you know, it's technology. Right. Well, so I I think what you're expressing in terms of the service industry in general, having changed since COVID a lot and the whole restaurant and, and spirits and bar industry have really felt it. Do you think that this is something that's going to be a permanent change? Is it going to make other changes in the way you operate? Or do you think that will, because time will change things back into the way it was that we just have to wait it out. What do you think? Well, don't we hope that we can get back to the mentality of pre COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of feel like it's changing for the better lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in the past month, it seems like the, the workforce is starting to get a little bit more proactive in filling those spots we're going to have the, unfortunately, I think we're going to have an issue in the hospitality industry for quite some time. Our goal is to, to, to have people have staff that want to stay here. Mm-hmm. And historically they, they have, we have a lot of long-term employees that are committed to Pat O'Brien's and, and their customers. A lot of our, a lot of our waiters and bartenders have regular people that come visit them every, you know, mm-hmm. every weekend or every mm-hmm. week, or they might fly in from Chicago three times a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's encouraging for, for us that mm-hmm. um, we will have the longevity. I'm hoping that the thought process changes and improves for other, all the other aspects of hospitality. So, you know, we can, we can only hope, but I, I see, I see some good things kind of moving in that direction now. And, you know, I'm, in, I'm encouraged by the fact that we we do have people that decide to come work here or decided to come back to work here. And they're they're in it for the long haul. They, they know they're going to make a good living here. And it's it, it's a good environment to be in. Mm-hmm. And they, they make a lot of money. They, mm-hmm. they do well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as long term, 
My I'm third generation, obviously. My kids are now in the business also. So it's funny because I for years I've said third generation locally owned. And now I have to kind of say third generation locally owned and counting <laughs> because, <laughs> because my kids are coming into the business. My, my must son feel is really good. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I, I, I did not push that throughout their entire childhood. They, they knew what I, I have always done, but they have just chosen to, to go this route. I guess it's in their blood. It, it, uh-huh. That's all I can think of is that it's in their blood because you have to really love it in order to deal with all the, all the things that kind of come at you. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's really exciting. Well, really, Shelly, this has been a pleasure. I've so enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Liz. It was wonderful talking with you as always. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, a part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Subscribe to this and other food and drink related podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to keep up with me, Liz Williams, you can subscribe to my Substack newsletter, also called Tip of the Tongue, for more information about this podcast, recipes, and just what is going on. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.